We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast on uh, what is a Wednesday, uh, a little bit later on in the week, and obviously uh, not not ideally when we plan to have the shows, uh, but uh, well, both BSJ and I were actually in another country on Monday uh, this week. We, were, we happened to be in Montreal. Uh, as you can see, BSJ, is uh, we got a beautiful picture of BSJ. Unfortunately, the webcam, uh, I couldn't get it working on my end. I am using a makeshift setup, as you can probably tell. I am not at home currently. I'm actually on my own travels, but we wanted to make sure to get in an episode this week, and thus why we are here. BSJ, are you there? I'm trying to look for the planes and the birds in the sky, and I can't find any of them. I know that's just the ceiling of the stadium during the picture. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I yeah, I'm here. I, uh, I I yeah. It's it's tough to have consistent schedules in the world of Dota, uh, or I guess esports in general. Uh, there's just too many random things that pop up. You know, we my viewers will ask, you know, don't you guys aren't you supposed to do your podcast on Monday and such? And I'm like, we're trying, man. It's just impossible for the most part to keep that consistent schedule every week. Uh, just too many unpredictable factors. And that's a lot. I don't know if you have that struggle, man. I know we're going to have a much more laid back podcast today, but one thing when it comes down to like friends and family is trying to schedule, like my mom and dad at this point, they're like, we know we can't schedule with you more than like two weeks ahead of time because, yeah. you know, if they say they plan and say they planned something for December in June, I'll be like, yeah, mom, I have a tournament that told me it was happening late November, you know, and you don't really get much warning with a lot of stuff. It's all very sudden. So that's just the life of a, of an esports person. It certainly is, uh, you know, having, having a family and myself, even now it, it I could definitely vouch for that. And my, my wife has even written a whole blog about that idea where it's, uh, you know, you make plans, especially around the holidays and then, 
as you said, within a couple of weeks, uh, all of a sudden plans can completely change because, oh, by the way, I'm going to be, you know, in Germany or whatever it is. So uh, it's certainly uh, the stuff comes up here and there, of course. And uh, life of esports, as you said, but uh, we, we both certainly love it. And that's that's why we do it right. Obviously not complaining about my job, but it is one of the unfortunate side effects of the job. But everything, every job has that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, as, as you mentioned, we're, this is going to be a fairly uh, chill show, probably not the longest episode, uh, because frankly, we are in a this happens to be a little bit of a dead week when it comes to uh, events and stuff that has been happening. You know, as we'd mentioned, we both happen to be in Montreal for the WESG North American qualifiers. I'm not sure how much you want to talk about that, of course. Unfortunately, on the on the losing end of that, but it was an experience, I bet, getting to play with Moo and some others. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I got to meet some guys I've played a lot of pubs with, and sad reality is since uh, Moo was in the minor, we didn't have any time to, or like minor qualifiers. If he had made it to the major, we would have had four or five days to scrim prior to the tournament, but yeah. because he's on J-Storm and just busy with his schedule, sadly, we just didn't scrim at all, and it's interesting. The first game was basically me learning that people try lane because that's something that hasn't happened in uh, a long time and competitive, I'd say, for the most part. And, you know, as an offlaner, I didn't think about it in the draft. We didn't really prepare for it. Like, Moo mentioned they would probably try lane or do some, like, defensive mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but, like, I just it, – it's just a different meta. And, sadly, when the other teams played upwards of 50 to 100 games on the meta and you haven't, it, that's what the games tend to look like. And it, it, I'm glad we put on a better showing the second game. It felt like we learned a lot from our mistakes in the first game. We were like, oh, we messed this game plan up yeah. entirely. Like, what, let's <laughs> fix it. But, uh, I mean, it's not like we weren't trying, but we also didn't have too high of expectations – knowing that the pandas were a much more refined team than us. So good experience either way. Absolutely. No yeah, that, that's me. a good way to put it. Of course, a refined team. And it was uh, really the first competitive game. It felt like on uh, 7.23C at that time. And of course, there was a couple of no notable changes with that. The Magnus uh, nerfs taking place, but then Tree and Protector also yeah, getting a massive puff. I know both of those games actually happen to be banned. So we didn't concede in those matches, but... I hear Treant Protector is ruining pubs right now. Yeah, Treant is going to be, unless he's nerfed before any of the major tournaments, he's going to be first pick, first ban for sure. He's just, not only is he like a flex pick, but he's also just so powerful in lane. And he's powerful as a core, he's powerful as a support. And it kind of just boils down to like, because he's good as four or five and as a three, you can kind of just put him wherever based on what the enemy chooses. So really the only way to give him a bad game would be to give him like two bad lane matchups. And then he's a support and he's just still fine. Like, you know, a bad lane for tree. I remember I was like first picking in pubs and some of the lane matchups on paper were like, wow, this might be as bad of a lane matchup as it can get for tree. And I still go even in lane. And it's like, oh, well, if I'm going even in bad matchups, I can't imagine, you know, when I was having good matchups, People just die, man. The hero does too much damage. Uh, I think they're probably going to nerf his right-click damage. I, I would think that's the main thing they need to nerf. If you looked at the chart for base damage of all heroes, next oh. highest on the list is like 65, and then Treant's just 91. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why does Treant have 91 base damage? Well, he's always been that way, right? It's just now he's just much better, I guess, with the skills. I mean, he has five skills now, essentially, too. So uh, it's... Probably, His first probably ability does damage now. That's the difference, right? Is yeah. So now he has like two damage abilities in lane and he has high damage right clicks. So before right clicks were pretty much his only form of damage. 
but now he just does so much damage that yeah, I mean, it's just overwhelming uh, amount of damage. I, uh, you know, I see it in my pubs. I was watching Gunner whine about it on Monkey Stream earlier. As a carry player, as an offlane player, when you're laning against it, you're like, what do I pick? I just lose. And then, <laughs> like, my lane, I mean. And then you have to, like, spend the whole game recovering. And I don't know. They'll nerf it, but that's that's the nature of new patches, right? They're trying new stuff out, especially when they yeah. give new hero or heroes new abilities. You know, obviously, they've been tweaking Void Spirit and Snapfire a lot. Both heroes got buffed after release. And then they're like, wait a minute. These heroes might be a little too good, uh, mainly Void Spirit and... I think Javal overall has been doing a pretty good job of fine-tuning the patch. They've nerfed some of the jungle items. They've reworked some of them. They've removed some of them. They've, you know, to fine-tune some of the heroes that were a little too good. They buffed up some of the heroes that were just too shit. <laughs> and uh, I I'm happy with their overall treatment of the new patch. It seems like a lot of people are complaining, but if this Treant stuff are is to last like a month or two, I'll get upset. But if it's nerfed in the next month or two i'm okay yeah it, i i highly find it hard to believe that that'll be the case it's it's definitely gonna get nerfed. it i mean that does beg the question though as you mentioned before maybe even some big events well we do have one pretty big event gonna be coming up uh that you yourself Segway. are gonna be attending i know you're perfect you're great at this you're like a professional bsj I appreciate it. Uh, the One Esports Dota 2 World Pro Invitational Singapore, probably one of the longest titles uh, for an event within Dota 2. But the point is, it's going to be in Singapore. It's a $500,000 tournament. Of course, this is a non-DPC event, but we're dealing with, uh, what, what do we got, 10 teams? want to say let's see. Uh, no, 12 teams, excuse me, uh, that are going to be there. And honestly, looking at this team list... This is this could be a major <laughs> with the teams that are here, uh, including LGD, by the way. So, yay, we get to see LGD for the first time this season, obviously coming off their loss in the open qualifiers of this last cycle here. But uh, 12 teams are going to be competing for a $500,000 prize pool. It's pretty crazy that we're still able to have these, quote unquote, third tier tournaments outside of DPC, despite the DPC taking place. Um, I, I definitely, I, for as much as complaining that does go on, uh, it, it really is awesome that, in my opinion, for the health of the scene, that there are these events are still able to exist with some very, very good prize pool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it mainly because I knew when I got invited that the quality of teams were really high and the new patch is going to be the first big tournament. So... Uh, even before the major or the minor. So I'm super stoked, personally. Uh, I always like watching new patches. Obviously, everyone was a little bit bored with the last major um, with the meta. I, 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 For me, the first tournament like this is a lot of a... Uh, it like spreads the message to the casual, or even like me, to someone who's like, I feel like I've kind of figured out the meta, but let's see what the best players in the world yeah. think about it. And that's what this tournament is going to be for me. I look forward to having my equivalent of the carry IO at TI, where I just watch a hero played in a way. I'm like, what? And then you kind of see it unfold as the game plays out. Uh, that's what I like to see. And I'm expecting some creative stuff. Uh, I'm just expecting a lot of stuff from the tournament, and I think it should be really entertaining. I'm super excited because I've never really casted a big tournament before. The only tournament I've ever really casted is the Summit. And while that's oh, not like okay. a small, what I'm, what I'm saying, 
You've done what? panel, but not casting the map. Well, okay, yeah, no, sense. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you've yeah. been a TI VSD. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm saying that I've never casted an actual big game before. So sure. when I say casting, I mean in the middle of the game. I've only done paneling. So for me, this is going to be the first tournament that I've done where I'm casting, which is going to be a very new experience for myself. Uh, so that's exciting for me. And I really look forward to seeing that side of the event, I guess. I don't know. It seems kind of... You're kind of like, yeah, you communicate a little bit with the casters, but for the most part, it's kind of just a separate gig when you're doing panel work. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not calling TI a small event here. I'm simply saying I. That's fair. TI obviously is at a different, uh, or I'm obviously at a different workload during TI. Yeah. So it kind of just just to clarify the 12 teams, by the way, obviously people listening on audio here, I'm sure whether it's recorded or live even. But uh, the, the 12 teams, we got Team Secret, uh, LGD, Virtus Pro, Evil Geniuses, Navi, Vici Gaming, TNC, Alliance, Gambit, Aster, Team Liquid uh, and JSTORM concludes the 12 teams. So, again, you look at these 12 teams. This 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 could be a major roster if it happened to be a 12-team event in the first place. Uh, so it, it's really cool that they were able to get this. Obviously, Singapore, a great area. I've had the chance to go there myself. It's been a while now, but uh, Singapore itself is a beautiful area, and I'm sure the venue and everything uh, is going to be awesome for this event. And Southeast Asian fans always known for, for bringing a great party and a great atmosphere. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who could prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. You mentioned that this is the first big tournament, uh, big match, big tournament more so on the new patch. Um, it's a great format for it too, I think, because there's... 12 teams total, there's six teams in each group, and it looks like that they're going to be doing the whole round robin. So every team will play each other in each group. So that's, what, 10 matches each if they do a best out of two uh, against a lot of top-tier competition. So we, this is really going to help us understand this patch certainly a little bit more now that teams have almost had a couple of weeks to absorb the patch and uh, also tell us what maybe to expect with the upcoming minor and the major, of course, in uh, throughout the January month. But I'd love to see this format and certainly it's going to make for some entertaining Dota here. Yeah, when you get these type of tournaments on newer patches, even when it's like TI and stuff, uh, what I've most enjoyed when I was doing ESL, for instance, that wasn't a new patch, but when I was watching the tournament is you kind of see teams figure out the meta during the tournament. And it's going to be even more drastic during a new patch where you know people are going to go in with their ideas. It's not like some of the ideas are going to be un unbeatable. Some of the ideas are going to suck. 
you kind of see people realizing it over the course of the tournament, which one, you know, what category they fall into. And people kind of have to scramble and figure out what is actually good and how they're going to adjust to it. I mean, sometimes one hero being meta that you don't think is meta going into the tournament can change your entire drafting style because say you needed, you know, your core strategy was revolved around banning three heroes in the first round of the draft. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there's this other hero that you weren't considering that's just super strong that ruins your strategy. It's like suddenly you're back to square one figuring out what you're going to draft for the rest of the tournament. And that's what I love watching about the tournament. You kind of notice teams doing that. You only really see it when you're watching every game, though. Like, you have to watch because there's, you know, it's kind of a flowing story from page to page between between games. And that's been my unique experience being a part of events because otherwise, yeah, when I'm at home, I watch events, right? But you don't just sit there for eight to ten hours a day watching the games. Yeah. And... uh I'm super looking forward to that this patch because I've been a little bit lost. Games have been a little bit weird. I think my most notable thing about this patch so far is that people are just fighting. Like, there is yeah. just so much fighting. Like, and there's so many objectives to fight around that I don't think I've ever seen a patch with so high percentage of games where you're like, didn't we start this fight eight minutes ago? And it's just still going on, you know, from 12 to 20 minutes is just a fight nonstop. You know, I'll look at a pub and there's more than one kill a minute almost every game. Mm -hmm. um, it's just crazy, man. I, I think I enjoy this. There's been some backlash on Reddit. A lot of people apparently aren't enjoying the patch all that much. I think it's really good. Uh, my MMR doesn't like it, but I think the new patch is overall enjoyable for me. Have you had any chance to play pubs? Uh, I, honestly, not as much as I would like. I, I'm almost like intimidated to, I guess you could say, because of all the changes. I'm enjoying more of watching it right now. And I, I think I'm kind of in a spot like you're suggesting right there where I kind of want to see what, what the, the big dogs are doing. What, and with this tournament that's coming up, that'll ideally give us a show. And then once we, we have a better understanding through them, then okay, maybe I'll give it a go and be able to spam a couple heroes as a result and try to raise that MMR. So, but uh, I, I feel like i'm a little intimidated right now when it comes to actually playing the game i mean i was overwhelmed at the start of the patch in terms of there's just so much to think about that you're not used to thinking about i think the biggest change on the map is outposts they cause a lot yeah. of fights uh i mean as a carry player so i've been playing a lot of offlane as a carry player the main thing when it comes to guiding your farming patterns is to worry about objectives because objectives will tell you a lot about where the enemy team's going to be. Like, mm -hmm. if they have an objective they need to take, they're probably likely going to be somewhere around there. Um, and I feel like when I'm watching my carry players farm, I've watched countless, countless times them just get picked off near the outpost. I'm like, dude, they're going to make a move on the outpost. Like, it's an objective. It's there. It's on the side of the map, but yeah. it's there. And I think that's the biggest adjustment that's overwhelming to people is the outposts, while they are only, like, one objective, and we talked about this going through our you know, hope what we hoped for from the patch, they drastically changed the game, man. Like they changed so much about where it's safe to farm, how fast people can get certain places. And as a, uh, I'm watching the pubs, it just seems like everyone's kind of overwhelmed. And I personally enjoy it because it's my full-time job and I get to spend that time getting overwhelmed and uh, sure. figuring things out. But for the casual player, it's a little rough, man. I can imagine, you know, uh, the downside to that. Well, uh, I mean, stick with the outpost, both as a spectator and and a little bit of playtime that I have had with the patch. I, it's you do kind of you have a tendency to forget almost that 
especially when the other team has control of the outpost on how much vision they truly get over there. So, you know, trying to go through these juke yes. spots or whatever, that, that doesn't exist, right? Because they literally have that God vision, even the true vision on top yeah, of that. Insane. So it's, you kind of go into almost like if you're counter warding in the first place, it's like, you got to realize, wait, I'm counter warding. They could see me doing this. So you got to be careful. The outpost is just always like that when you're going to take it. Obviously, it takes forever if it's just yourself, especially. So, uh, yeah, that's just one of the many kind of differences of the patch that it's, it's just taking a while to get used to because you're, that muscle memory, that idea is not ingrained yet in your mind. I think for people who are watching, one thing that uh, I've gotten feedback from viewers is that they really enjoy like the update uh, on like competitive Dota and just Dota in general. And I think. It seems like a good opportunity this week since we don't have too much to talk about in terms of just competitive dota is the overall impression of the meta and like what heroes are good and why mm -hmm. and i think the overall thing that i've seen is that heroes that are either hyper mobile or heroes that are really good at controlling one place on the map are the best heroes in dota right now um a combination of the two you want heroes that kind of lock down a certain part of the map heroes that are hard to approach like Doombringers, venomancers it's really hard to like walk into mm -hmm. these heroes or like in the first 10 minutes they kind of create like a dead lane scenario themselves where unless you gank them with three heroes if one hero kind of shows up they either get bullied away or just killed um i think those type of heroes combined with these pucks and these uh i mean in pubs you see the void spear like crazy um, just these heroes that are going to be mobile around the map are really powerful right now because there's so much to do on the map and because of what you said about outposts, you can't really split push as well anymore. True. In the sense that if you, if top outpost belongs to the other team, you can't really split push that lane unless you take that outpost first. And that just leads to having these heroes like Venomancer, where if he plants himself in the top half of the map, it's really hard to get that outpost from him. It's almost impossible. And that's why some of these heroes have been getting rebalanced and stuff, because... It's crazy to think, like, you have to think about how the changes on the map benefit or hurt certain heroes. And um, the other heroes that I think are really nice are stuff like Sven that just clear the jungle really fast and naturally. Sure. And yeah. then can also participate in fights on, like, a decently low cooldown. You know, Sven, like, he loves to participate in the fight with his ult and then go back to what he's doing. I think those types of heroes are really nice, super low cooldown. Well, that's probably heroes. why Meepo, actually, has been one of the heroes of the patch. That yes. kind of for that reasoning right there, the fast jungler can get involved earlier on if you need be. Meepos, we've been seeing plenty of. Yeah, I've heard people complaining about uh, <laughs> how broken Meepo is. I've been Meepo two or three times this patch. It seems really strong in the hands of a good player. Uh, most notably, not just that he can clear jungle fast, but he can just be everywhere, I think is a big part, is if the team... Okay, so as a core, when you're farming, something that people don't tend to understand at the, that you need to do at the highest level is the goal is to be able to participate in the fight at all times. And what I mean by that is good players, if they see you TP top, they're going to try to take a fight on the bottom half of the map because they know you can't be there. Um, they're going to be like, hey, guys, the enemy carry TP top. We can have an advantage bottom. And because there's so many objectives now, if you TP anywhere or you reveal yourself to have TP'd anywhere, there's almost always something for the opponent to punish that with. Um, they can almost always go somewhere. They can go Roche, they can go an outpost, they can go tier one towers. There's just so much to do. Um, so these heroes like Meepo are just so good because when the opponent leaves a small opening like that, you're like, oh, 
they're carrying his TV bottom. Let's take Roche real quick or, you know, whatever. Uh, let's go kill him real quick. One of my meepos is bottom or, you know, whatever. Uh, those types of heroes are just super powerful right now. Uh, Meepo kind of does it all and fits the meta really well. And I don't think people... I mean, he's like a specialty hero, right? So it's kind of hard to see until you see tournaments where like yeah. an Abed type player. I was going to say, EG might have an advantage there, man. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, I'm excited to see the Abed meet. But we saw him play I, in the qualifiers I, actually a couple times now. I think about it too. So yeah, I mean, it's just hard to deal with, man. Uh, most notably, you want like the aggressive ones, not like the defensive ones. I think heroes like Tinker are an example that I mean, where I don't think they're that good because they're more like turtling mobile heroes rather than aggressive mobile heroes i think okay. you want the ones that kind of force the issue push the map out nature's profit um, is actually another example of that and that, that's that that's a theme that i've been that i kind of picked up on right away with the qualifiers after the patch was uh, and that made sense was this global presence slash courier pickoff heroes right because that and nature's profit one of the best of them another hero, a couple of heroes that come to mind bounty hunter and nyx assassin which maybe we haven't seen as much of but perhaps more because these courier kills there's plenty to come with now everyone having a courier not only is that a gold advantage for yourself but obviously it stops the gold uh gain for the other side while the couriers are dead and whatever items happen to be on them so i really think these courier pickoff artists are going to just overall especially nature's profit just going to continue to be strong as long as this patch stays at it as it is for now yeah, the thing about Profit that the, he offers that the other ones don't is, simply put, you see the opponent four-man your outpost, your bottom outpost at 15 minutes, for instance, he just teleports to the top one and trades you. Yeah. You know, like, having that bonus is so powerful. There's so many games where the opponent's ahead and they'll make a move on, like, you know, each team has one outpost. They'll make a move on my outpost and we'll be like, well, shit. Like, you know, I guess we're getting double outposted this this time around and having that ability to just say nope and uh go to the other one is probably the most broken part about profit i think the problem with bounty hunter nix is in the laning stage they're a little bit weaker so they're mainly for courier pickoff profit's also like a strong laner they nerfed him a bit in the laning stage the hero i'm waiting to see more of is spear breaker i think that hmm. Like that just fits the theme perfectly of this patch. Uh, running around the map and capture or just killing people over and over, low cooldown, killing people. I mean, there's just so many kills this patch. And now that they're nerfing like the pucks of the world, I think that a hero like Spearbreaker who can catch everyone else is going to be really good. Another hero that's been completely reworked is OD. I don't know if you've seen an OD game yet. That hero is nuts. Uh, I. Have you seen one yet? I, Have you seen OD? It's, I hear people talking about it, but I can't recall one that I've casted. It feels like one of those that people took a little bit to realize, okay, yeah, this hero is really strong. So we didn't really see much in the qualifiers, I don't believe, but I have heard that the hero is pretty nuts right now, yeah. Uh, I mean, so the way his ulti works now is that it's now his passive that grants him stacks. He's not stealing in from you anymore. He's just gaining mana. Yeah. And your astral gives you three stacks while your orb only gives you one. And so what people are doing is they're just going Aetherlands, Ag Scepter, and a Bloodstone. And the amount of damage that his ultimate does is based on how much mana he has. And um, the stacks refresh each other rather than, you know, just being 40 seconds each or whatever. Every time a stack is added, you refresh. And I learned yesterday that if you Astral an Illusion, that counts for whatever reason. What? I think that's a bug. I can't imagine that's intended. And I've seen ODs where they're just running around the map farming 
with an Ags, and the, which gives you two charges and longer cast range of Astral. And they're just Astraling illusions or people. They'll get, they'll have Bloodstone plus Ether, which gives you 450 mana. And then they actually just ult you in one shot. You like, they don't even have to hit you. I'm like, this That's is so insane. stupid. I'm like, the guy has 5,000 mana. And his ultimate does ma- damage based on how much more mana he has than you. Yeah. And it's like 0.7 or something. So he has 4,000 more mana than me. I just took 2,800 damage in an ultimate. I'm like, this is, I mean, it's just so hard to fight into uh, because the astral cast range with the ether plus Ags is like 1,000. It's like, I mean, he's just astraling you. And then you can't defend yourself because of your astral. And then he just ults you when you're in the astral. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's super frustrating. I mean, there's some heroes. I love seeing people figure out that kind of stuff, but once it's like made known to be broken, another hero that people are quickly realizing that I'll say my girlfriend, you know, I'll give her credit because she called me out on it saying the hero was really good. And I'm like, I don't know. Drow Ranger is hmm. broken AF. I mean, that hero is so stupid. I don't know if you've seen it either. The, the third spell does yeah. like, you have like Hurricane Pike Manta. And it does like 600 damage a volley. And there's three volleys. We saw it played just... against you this last weekend, actually. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, that, I was an offlane Viper with like two, uh, two armor items. Yeah, what was got, that draft, by got, the way? Oh, the AA was like last minute, but we were planning pretty much the rest of the draft from the get go. I'm like, I want to play some Viper, man. I think it's really strong. Um, and I don't know if you saw, but I pretty much solo killed Envy when I was level one and he was level three. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, this hero's pretty stupid. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we were just like, you know, we have some comfort heroes. We've been spamming. We haven't had time to practice. Let's just pick what we feel like playing. Sure. And I think that that's going to be a lot of what we see in Singapore, too, which I really enjoy. I think that that aspect of, like, seeing people's signature heroes or the heroes they deem the most enjoyable or powerful in their own right, in their own unique way. Um, and what ends up happening is, you know, the people that found the most powerful heroes by chance are going to win. <laughs> and the teams that found the weaker ones are going to be like, well, crap back to the drawing board yeah uh but draw ranger is definitely insane that hero is dumb i i can't believe that hero was buffed three times like yeah she got reworked and people weren't liking her so valve was like yeah let's make her buff or let's buff her damage mm-hmm. on her e let's buff her agility aura on her on her ult man that hero dude uh, that that range on the e i don't know what they need to fix but uh, the <laughs> I, I was playing it we had a there was an enemy troll i just want to say yesterday i was playing with against a troll warlord and i had a slardar so obviously the minus armor from his ult is insane and my slardar would blink stun the troll amp him and my arrows from the third spell would kill the troll full to zero at like 40 minutes in the game i was like okay this is this is too much. Like <laughs> that wrong is not here, okay. Yeah. That was like a four-slotted troll warlord just getting full to zeroed in a second and a half by a drow. And it's not like it's close range. It's like a thousand range, 1200 range or something. I'm like, this is so, this is, excuse me, I just dropped my phone. I was like, that was, uh, some stuff in Dota, man. You're just like, that's not okay. You yeah. Know, that's, that's not okay. And after a big patch like that, that's going to happen plenty. Um, and again, tweaks are coming. It's just a matter of how spread out they are. And, you know, you, you did bring up an interesting point. I kind of come full circle back to the tournament here. That's, that's going to be happening this next week that you're going to. Um, the idea that the, this is a third-party tournament. This is not an official DPC event. So although it's a $500,000 prize pool, that's a lot of money still. It, it, there are no DPC points on the line. So you do kind of wonder... 
how again i understand teams are going to try i'm not saying they're going to not going to try but if you do have some of these pocket strats that you've realized okay this is a really powerful strategy or a powerful hero do you bust it out this event trying to make some some decent money or do you, you know save that for the major uh, that's upcoming is could, could you see that being a possibility you just think teams are just still figuring it out right now i think teams are mainly still figuring it out i think everyone's aware of the broken heroes that'll most likely be nerfed before the major uh such as like the drows and the treants sure um but i think the next tier of heroes and the heroes that will kind of rise above once those heroes get nerfed is still up in the air i think there's a lot to be figured out um i mean i've realized like playing it's ursa for instance a lot uh that a lot of the standard offliners just don't work against ursa Mm -hmm. so you have to get creative you have to figure it out you have to pick something that is going to work and so you try wonky stuff. And that's the cool thing about Dota is um, whenever a hero becomes popular, people spend their entire time figuring it out. And in the midst of figuring it out, sometimes they stumble upon some other hero that's super powerful. And then that hero that becomes super powerful that counters Ursa now makes Ursa not very good anymore or whatever. And then yeah. now you have to solve the hero that countered Ursa. And, I, you know, that's... That's just the funny part about Dota that I that I love to watch in these tournaments, and I think a lot of the a lot of this tournament is going to be teams saying, "I think this is good," uh, educated guesses on the meta, and they're just going to play it and they're going to figure out. You know, sometimes you just need to pick a hero and be like, "What is the opponent going to beat me with?" You know, what are they going to show me that they think can beat this hero? Um, you know, I had been having a lot of success with offlane Viper, and then I realized in the mid to late game that offlane Viper against Drow is a yikes, man. That is <laughs> because like you're supposed to do this, be this long range DPSer that's like positioning based, but Drow legitimately just kills you full to zero from a thousand range, which outranges you, and you're just like, oh. So if Drow becomes really popular, I no longer think Viper is a good offlaner. That's just, like a perfect example where people were picking like the Ursas and the anti mages and troll warlords and stuff and offlane viper is so good against that okay but then you know you play it against drow and you're like oh well shit uh that's not very good anymore so yeah. uh it's very fun for me with that i like to watch other people go through that learning process they're kind of doing the homework for you when you're at an event you exactly, know yeah. when you're watching an event and that's it's cramming a lot of learning time into one and everyone has their own unique understanding of the patch I know I've been rambling, but this is the fun part about Dota, and this is what I love, um, and looking forward to it at the major, or looking forward to it at the big tournament. <laughs> it kind of is a major. major as we talked like about. you said, it basically yeah. feels like a major. It really does. I mean, it's it's only 12 teams instead of 16, but again, all these teams are definitely major quality teams. Uh, you know, and the uh, Gambit was at the last major, J-Storm was as well, despite them having poor cycles this time around. Uh, all, I guess, yeah, all 12 of these teams have either been to or are going to uh, the next, well, LGD. Again, that, that's a different story, but they are certainly a major quality team. Uh, absolutely yeah. there. So <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing my boys Hold team on, Liquid, man. honestly, and how they continue their momentum, man. I oh, see what I'm they looking at, I, they're, they're a fun team to watch when they're doing well. So I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Yeah. All right, so that starts on uh, the 17th, so next week. And I, I, I guess it's worth pointing out now, as we keep mentioning, you are going to be out there. You're looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, that means you are going to be a little busy with uh, with that event. So that's another reason why we really wanted to make it sure to get a show in this week, because next week we are going to be having the week off, uh, looking to return the week following. That's kind of a uh, wrap-up show to end the year slash going to the new year, of course, with the continuation of the DPC event. So... 
Uh, that's something yeah, to course. expect, uh, guys. That, we talked about that. It's just the unfortunate aspect of the esports world. It's a good thing and a bad thing. All exactly. Once. You know, we 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 want to keep people regularly posted with the podcast. Keep people, you know, used to the time they're supposed to tune in, but. Uh, I, the cool thing is whenever we have to do stuff like this is there's just a lot to talk about when we come back. So, oh, yes, yeah. I'm looking forward to there will be plenty, including previewing the we play minor that uh, will be taking place early January, uh, January 9th. That's going to be happening. And so just on that note, real quickly, again, we didn't actually our last podcast show was kind of in between the major and the minor qualifiers there. Uh, so to clarify uh, who's uh, who qualified in the end for CIS? You had Gambit and Team Spirit. Uh, North America, you had NIP as well as Fighting Pandas. Europe, you had Enigma. Uh, China, you had Royal Never Give Up. Southeast Asia with Geek Fam, and then South America with Furia Esports. So, yeah, a couple of the storylines there, of course. Uh, well, one big one: North America, J Storm, not even qualifying. Uh, for the miners, certainly a pretty big deal after their success in the recent major. Uh, and then Nigma on top of that, you know, of course, getting dropped into the minor, but still making it in the minor. And uh, we'll see there. So, like I said, not to preview the, the event necessarily, but just to make it clear, the teams that are going to be you going. You can imagine, like, the quality of teams at the at the minor compared to normal. And that's right. even with, like, LGD being out of the picture, OG being out of the picture. I just think this is a huge testament to what the tier two, tier three scene has done. Um, what I mean is like, I feel like for a while it was mainly six to eight teams that were just crazy dominant. And right now uh, I think this, the, the quality of teams between like eighth and 20th in the world has gone up drastically. Uh, and I hope it keeps expanding. You know, I hope, uh, you know, we've talked about that a lot, but uh, I'm looking forward to this minor a lot more than the last one. You know, we went into the last one. I, I was almost certain that IG was just going to win it. Uh, I did underestimate Chaos a bit. I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform at the major now that they've kind of ironed out what they want to do with their roster moving forward. Uh, and when it comes to the minor, uh, you know, while you may say on paper you think Nigma's going to win the old liquid, but there's some quality competition there this time around. So yeah. I don't think it's going to be easy pickings for anyone. There absolutely is, and it's 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 kind of interesting when we talk about that. How these the, these minor qualified teams, even you know, you got top twenty teams right now overall that are actually looking pretty solid, uh, but still, you would like to see these development leagues or whatever uh, definitely more ingrained and more done more, I guess, from, from uh, whether it's Valve or, or others to make sure that the scene continues to grow. Uh, as time moves on but it it does feel like between the majors and the minors though we certainly are getting a very healthy scene like really within those top 20 teams uh for the time being so yeah just uh, as you said excited as well again that's going to be early january when uh that takes place the we play minor course leading into the dreamhack major that'll be following um yeah i i think that uh pretty much does it though as far as today like we said it was it was going to be a little bit shorter of a show not not the most Dota content competitive side of things to uh, discuss, but I uh, got some uh, talking about the patch there. Oh, well, hey, it's Lizard's birthday today. There you go. Happy birthday, Lizard. <laughs> I'm noticing on Liquipedia there. Turned 28 years old. Happy birthday, Lizard. Man, he's so old. I'm and, only 27. Uh, yeah, so old. <laughs> so old. Thanks. Thanks, man. No. We're all so young. How about that? I just happen to be the older of the young guys. Exactly. Look at it that way. Um, but no, anything else, BSJ? Anything before we wrap up officially? Nope, nothing from me. All right. 
Uh, cast in from a hotel, guys. <laughs> Again, I doing doing this temporary setup. I do appreciate you guys tuning in. Obviously, especially for the late notice as well. Uh, sorry about the whole camera issue there as well with BSJ. We got the beautiful picture of him looking up to the sky. And uh, <laughs> is that was that from Ti by the way? No, that's from that was from when I went to the Kuala Lumpur major. Oh, okay, okay. In Malaysia, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my best picture of me in a suit. I should ask. For, I should try to get more pictures of me in a suit because that's the only one I got so far. Hey, it's it's awesome. You know, when those random photographers come up that are with the event or whatever, and yeah, they get those good exactly. shots. Exactly. So. Hey, you're gonna be yeah. casting this this event coming up. I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunity there. Yep, absolutely. I, I mean, I guess on final note, I am really excited for the event. Like I said, it is my first time casting an event, mm -hmm. not just paneling. So uh, very nervously excited. And the only thing I dread is the 20, 20 hour plane flight both ways. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that's part of the job. And uh, I've, I've, I've learned to be a little more accepting of these long flights. Uh, I don't think they're that bad since you get in flight movies, you know, in flight food. Yeah, uh, it's not so bad after everything's said and done. It is tough, but at the same time, like you said, you, you you can make it. You can make it decent in the end, and when you're there, that's that's when the fun begins. So, exactly. uh, obviously, best of luck to you there. We'll, we'll be watching, of course. And as far as you guys tuning in, I want to thank you once again for tuning into the Wombo Combo Podcast. Another episode in the books. Uh, again, we do have one more show planned for this year. Not going to be next week, but uh, right now I believe it's the 30th, if I'm not mistaken. We're possibly even going to be coming back to you. So yeah, we're going to have a couple weeks off, actually. <laughs> That's worth pointing out. There's a couple of weeks off, but the 30th we'll be coming back to wrap up the, the year officially. Uh, that, that spin and kind of go us into the next year of course continuing on with the DPC season so until next time have a good night guys we will see you then whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance that's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.